Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Another wild week. I don't know what we do without Donald Trump. He makes news for everyone, every place, covering everything. We're going to talk a bit about him tonight, uh, or I'd say the first three items on the show, and then I'll move on to other things. But we're going to visit many places in the world tonight. We're going to be in Argentina, Vancouver, Tijuana, Washington, D.C., Paris, Poland, Wyoming, Independence, Missouri, and Key West, Florida. History repeats itself. We've heard this many times. I believe it is a fact. I want to talk to you tonight about the China of today, the China of 2018, and whether it's comparable to the Japan of 1941. 1941, World War II began, Pearl Harbor. And I'm wondering if what's happening between the United States and China is similar enough to say Japan can happen again, Pearl Harbor can happen again. It was December 7th, 1941. In the words of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a date that will live in infamy, Japan had bombed Pearl Harbor. There is cause and effect in this world. Every action, I believe, does have an equal and opposite reaction. So the question is, are the United States and China on a path similar to that which led to the Japanese attack. Let's examine the facts. It was the day before December 7th. It was December 6th, 1941. The United States intelligence at the time was less than adequate. Roosevelt had been told the Japanese fleet was heading for Thailand, far cry from Hawaii. Uh, why, uh, oh, excuse me a second here. Uh, Roosevelt sent a message. Roosevelt sent a message to the to Emperor Hirohito. Uh, he, he thought it was amusing, and he told his wife Eleanor, and I quote: "The Son of Man has just sent his final message to the Son of God." Well, you, United States intelligence was wrong. Roosevelt had relied on erroneous intelligence. The next day, Hawaii was attacked, not Thailand. Why did Japan attack Pearl Harbor? Japan was a non-entity in world affairs in the years leading up to the turn of the century. I'm talking about 1900. Isolated from the rest of the world. In 1894 and 1904, though, Japan, the Japanese people, successfully engaged in wars against nations considered superior to Japan. You know, Japan was out there in Asia far away, little country. No one paid attention to it. They were a non-entity. They got involved in war against two major uh, countries, and they succeeded. They beat the hell out of them. Then during World War I, Japan participated in World War I on the side of the Allies. So now they've got three victories, three sides they were on that won. The Japanese felt this gave them standing in the world status. The Great Depression affected Japan as most nations at the time. Tensions had begun growing between the United States and Japan 10 years earlier, driven by economic and demographic woes. Japan invaded Manchuria and other parts of China. The United Nations condemned the invasion. Japan withdrew from the League of Nations as a result. 
The Sino-Japanese War began in 1937. Japan acted in an extremely brutal fashion. These were not nice people. You know what they did to our people who became their prisoners of war in World War II. They perpetrated massacres, mass killings, rapes. It was obvious Japan was expanding globally. The United States tried to stop Japan's expansion. The United States, Roosevelt, this was a mistake Roosevelt made, imposed economic sanctions on Japan, think of what Trump's doing today with China, including trade embargoes on aircraft exports, oil, and scrap metal. Japan could not live without oil. You have to understand, they're an island nation. They needed oil. They could not get oil because of the sanctions. In September 1940, Japan signed the Tripartite Pact with Germany and Italy. They had to be on the side of somebody who, if there was going to be a war, and they picked that side, the Axis. The United States at the time was not involved with, with uh, Germany and Italy in a war as yet. The United States and Japan negotiated Japan's expansion into Manchuria and China, the sanctions, etc., for months without success. The United States had hoped the embargoes on oil and other key goods would lead Japan to halt its expansions. Trump's thinking with the tariffs and sanctions he's imposing on various countries today. The opposite proved correct. The sanctions and other penalties actually convinced Japan to stand its ground. Stand up for Japan became the saying. Japan became increasingly angered. Thought the United States conduct uh, actually a part of Western interference in Asian matters. None of our, none of our business. Importantly, also Japan felt the United States was not paying Japan the respect to which it was entitled. Japan believed they had earned respect as a world power, beginning with the wars surrounding 1900 and its actions into the 1940s. Respect face, you know, they call it face, saving face, very important in Asian thinking. Neither was forthcoming from the United States. Neither was forthcoming from the United States. Uh, so what do we do now? Uh, they got pissed off. That's the only way I can put it. And uh, they realized war was inevitable because the United States was failing to recognize the new kid on the block, the new kid on the block being Japan. Japan knew that the odds were stacked against them in a military confrontation. Success depended on surprise. The target Pearl Harbor, 4,000 miles from Japan's homeland, the United States would never expect an attack there. Pearl Harbor was perfect. The United States fleet, except for carriers, would be in harbor. The fleet and U.S. morale would be destroyed. There would be no will on the part of the American people to fight back. Well, we know. Japan underestimated the United States and its people. Uh, didn't, they didn't read us right. Amazing, isn't it? They did not read us right. And as a result, we had Pearl Harbor. Uh, and eventually, we beat them. And you know what happened afterwards and how the world uh, came about and how it developed and how we felt Japan. Now we're in major competition with China as a world power. We're supposedly number one. China's number two. Uh, we have a, a scenario now 
of overbearing sanctions, uh, the economies uh, the economies of China and our country are in disarray. You can't deny it. Everything is also moving at a rapid pace. Trump is the creator of the present scenario, no question in my mind. His intelligence advice questionable. Those who are giving him advice, when he looks for it, when he takes it, they don't know what the hell they're talking about generally. Uh, but he doesn't pay attention. He refuses to be properly briefed. An example is something that happened only four days ago, five days ago. Uh, Meng Wanzhou. Meng Wanzhou. If you haven't heard that name, hear it now and remember it. You have to have heard it, though, this past week. She was arrested and detained in Vancouver on Saturday. Now, understand, she is the daughter of one of the richest men in China, who is one of the best friends of the pre- President Xi of China, and she was arrested in a Vancouver airport on behest of the United States at the same time that Trump was sitting with China's President Xi in Buenos Aires at a G20 dinner, a private dinner between the United States and China and our staffs to work out the sanction problems, uh, the tariff wars, because China's getting hurt with these tariff wars. We're getting hurt. Trump won't say we're getting hurt, but we're getting hurt. Look at the farmers. They can't sell their soybeans, their wheat, their corn. Uh, Car manufacturers are already getting hurt. China's getting the shit knocked out of them. But China's smart. They ain't waiting around. They are not waiting for Donald Trump to give them some money from the government and get them out of this problem. You know, like Trump is doing with the American farmers and manufacturers. Uh, China... Is already buying, okay, buying their soybeans from Argentina and Brazil. They're buying them from Russia. They're buying oil from Russia. You got to give Putin uh, credit. He's a smart guy. Every time we screw somebody, they become his friend and he takes care of them. Now, Meng, she is the CFO. This is a woman of China's second largest technology company called Huawei. Huawei. They make telephones and telecommunication cell phones big time, big time in Asia, Europe, and Africa. They're not here, but in Asia, Europe, and Africa, they are the company. Again, her father was a founder and a leading Chinese figure. Now, Hawaii has been violating sanctions that Trump imposed uh, by doing business with Iran. Because uh, they don't understand why they can't do business with Iran. The pissing matches between Iran and the United States and not them. But this is the reason why Meng was arrested. She was on her way she, uh, through Vancouver going to Mexico. She had no intent to go to the United States. Uh, she was stopped by Canadian authorities and arrested, detained, whatever way you want to call it. She's still in jail, by the way, since Saturday. Uh, on an extradition writ issued by the Justice Department of the United States. Uh, this, this, this extradition, this warrant of her arrest, was issued back on August 22nd, but this was the first time they found her someplace where they could grab her, apparently. And because of extradition laws, Canada was forced to exercise, to execute the arrest warrant on her, on this woman from China, okay, CFO of the second biggest company in China. At the same time, 
that Donald Trump was sitting eating dinner, breaking bread with the president of China in Buenos Aires. Well, and let me say this too, this whole thing is so screwy, because this is how Donald Trump operates. Her company violated the sanction rules, but not the ones Trump imposed. These go back to sanctions that were opposed, imposed by Obama in 2015. Remember when he did it? But then afterwards, we had the nuclear treaty. And I, I would assume everyone believed that any prior sanctions or anything else had been lifted. And since there was a nuclear treaty, uh, they didn't count. Uh, but Trump threw out the nuclear treaty, and based on his wild thinking or whoever works for him in the White House, they are taking the position that the sanctions were back into effect and they could arrest this woman on a 2015 sanction violation. Isn't this screwy? This is crazy, okay? Uh, Canada's embarrassed. They have to uphold the extradition laws. Remember we had this 90-day thing? Trump and Xi came out of that dinner. Trump knew what was going on. Xi didn't. They made an agreement. We'll hold everything in the bains for 90 days, see what happens. No new tariffs. Now we don't know what the hell's going to happen. Nothing's happened. They're supposed to be talking. In the meantime, this woman's in jail. I don't know what her bail is, but it's astronomical. So astronomical that she owns a home in Vancouver, by the way. She and her husband own two homes in Vancouver, though she was passing through coming from another country the day she was arrested. And they have a $12 million home paid for her. They're willing to put that up as uh, security for her bail and also some cash monies has not been accepted because the United States says this woman has the capacity because she has the money to go any place she wants just like that. We can't believe she's going to show up for trial. What she is charged with violating, by the way, what her company did can get her 30 years in jail. Uh, now, Trump isn't playing fair with these people, I don't think. And if you don't think China and its president and this woman's family are pissed off, you've got another thing coming. This does not help negotiations in any fashion. Okay. Uh, interestingly, John Bolton, who's a warmonger, he's no good, but Trump's put him on his team, uh, said he knew about the pending arrest of this woman that day. He says Trump did not know because he had not been briefed. I question that. I, I have to believe Trump knew because Trump hasn't yelled and screamed one iota regarding this situation. Makes you wonder what's going on at the highest levels of our government. Now, let's assume for the moment that we may be heading for a military conflict. Uh, you can't say no. You don't know what the hell's going to happen. We have pushed China to the wall. We're going to be pushed to the wall in return. You know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction, unquestionable. Uh, both nations have nuclear weapons. China's considered the world's second most powerful nation. I question whether it is behind the United States militarily. In the last five to seven years, China has gone all out in improving and increasing its military. They have built in excess of 350 new naval vessels, all constructed with up-to-date nuclear missile capacity. Of course, they do, have, they do have nuclear power. They have nuclear weapons. We only have 550 uh, um, naval vessels, 
and not, not very many are new. <laughs> They're way ahead of us, okay? Plus, they got their old naval vessels. China, and this blows my mind and has been blowing it for several months, and as you people are aware, I'm sure, has constructed islands where none existed in Asian waters. They go out in the ocean, and where there's 200 feet, 1,000 feet of water, don't ask me how they do it. They build islands. They create air bases, airfields. They create places, forts, military installations for soldiers, which brings them closer to us and closer to Europe and every place else if there's going to be a war. Whereas their nuclear uh, missiles cannot reach us from China, they can reach us from these new military islands and from the ships that they built that could go out into Asian waters charge our country and shoot them from the, the, the very ships themselves. Uh, this makes me question whether we are still the strongest nation in the world. I don't want to find out. I don't want to find out the answer. You don't want to find out the answer. But it brings me down to the bottom line. See the similarities between the Japan of yesterday and the China of today? Uh, especially as regards each relationship at specific time with the United States. Uh, we had sanctions and tariffs on Japan in 41. We have them on China now, and we're having pissing matches with China today. We had them with Japan in, four, in 41. Things are too similar, and they cause me concern. We're, we're reaching a point also where other nations in this world are sick and tired of the United States defecating on them, stopping on them. And we have, under Trump, he, you know, he's broken agreements, he's pulled out of this, pulled out of that. He's contrary to all the good things in the world. He supports all the bad things. Uh, that means that other countries are getting pissed off at us. The only way I can put it. This is like, don't tread on me. Okay, we're not going to take it anymore. Don't tread on me. The Boston Tea Party. What do you think the colonists dumped the tea in the water for? Don't tread on me. We're going to, not going to take this taxing situation. The Alamo. Don't tread on me. Pearl Harbor. That was the J Japan saying to the United States, don't tread on us. This is not a comfortable time we live in. One further point on this issue, it's a big point I'm making tonight, and it's a big item to discuss because we have to understand what the hell is going on, is that, again, this is a big company, Hawaii. They're going to get a lot of attention from President Tsai. They have 170,000 employees, okay? They do $100 billion a year in, ref in uh, revenues, not to be taken lightly. All right, let's move on. I want to talk about the migrant problem, the border problem down in the southwest, especially in the Tijuana area. No resolution yet. People are backed up. There's something like 6,000 people now backed up uh, on the Mexican side in the Tijuana area because they're waiting to speak to someone so they can file their asylum papers and go into the United States properly, but the United States won't take them in to file the papers. They say they got to file them on the Mexico side with Mexico, and nothing's resolved, and Mexico's getting stuck feeding 6,000 people, etc. They're not happy. I, I, I saw on the Internet a series of photos the other day that really bothered me. People want to get into this country, okay? Some because they're escaping, you know, 
bullies and people are going to kill them and everything else for political reasons. They want to give their children a better life. And here was a family, mother 24, father 22. Uh, and it was one of Trump has built a, a few fences down there. I don't know how many. He doesn't have many, but he's built some new fences. And what, what did these pictures show? It showed the father and mother had dug a hole under this new fence, part of the $25 billion worth of fences hope Trump hopes, hopes to build. The mother had crawled underneath onto the United States side. They had an eight-month-old baby. There's the father pushing the baby in the dirt under the fence to the mother. Terrible. On the Tijuana side, on the Mexican side of the border, because Trump won't let them in. Legally, they can come in if they want to file for asylum into the United States. There are now, in the last four months, 25,000 families sitting there. Now, that's double the number of families that were there in August, and that's 25,000 families. I don't know how many kids they have, okay? But let's assume they have four. There's a, you know, there's 100,000 people sitting there. Uh, no wonder Mexico's upset. This isn't their problem. It's our problem. Uh, now, there was a meeting this morning, and I hope you saw it on television. I watched it live, and I've seen it on several talk shows tonight. Everybody's running it. There was supposed to be a meeting regarding the budget and whether Trump's going to shut down uh, the budget, shut down the United States on December 21st if he doesn't get money for his wall a wall that everyone basically agrees will do nothing, isn't worth the money. He wants $25 billion. Apparently, he's gotten $1.6 billion. They're willing to give him another $1.3. He wants five right now. And he's, ma- he's making an issue out of it. Well, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer went over today to sit down with him in the Oval Office to discuss the, the, uh, the fence, the wall, and... It would be wrong to shut down the government. He pulled a sneaky, Donald Trump. Just like while he's having dinner with President Zion Buenos Aires, he's having men picked up in Vancouver. He's a dirty dealer. They came in expecting a private meeting in the Oval Office. There were TV cameras, the Internet, reporters, everybody. You know, Nancy Pelosi said, hey, man, we're supposed to do this in private. Now we're going to do transparency, he said. Well, all I can tell you is this. He looked bad. Trump looked bad. Not because I'm anti-Trump. He looked bad. He was nervous. He says, I, re- I accept responsibility for closing the government down. If you don't give me the money, I'm not going to blame you people, the Democrats. It will be my fault because I believe this is necessary. He says, after all, these people are bringing drugs into the country. How many arrests have you heard about from the people who have already come in? Okay. And how many arrests have you heard about of the people that are stuck in Mexico regarding drugs? And he says there are terrorists coming in. Now, there's 25,000 families. There are at least 6,000 people down there on the other side of the border. He says there are terrorists. You know how many terrorists he said have come in already? They've caught 10. 10 out of 6,000, 10 out of 100,000. He's ridiculous. And he says they're bringing diseases. Do you remember this? This came up two or three weeks ago. TB, leprosy, leprosy they're bringing in. 
none of it's true. This is all Pinocchio stuff. None of it is true. Anyhow, uh, he's claiming he's going to close down the government on December 21st. Uh, and he's, he would be wrong in doing it. He's the president. He can do it if he doesn't sign the bill. Uh, his headache, he'll look bad. I was very impressed with Nancy Pelosi. Anybody who doesn't want her for speakers crazy. Uh, she was the one, excuse me, my friends, who had the balls in this three-way discussion between Schumer, Trump, and her. They, the vice president was there, too, Donald, uh, Mike Pence. He did not say one word during the whole 25-minute meeting. It was amazing. Okay. I want to talk about the stock market. If you're losing in, losing money in the stock market, only one place to look, Washington. And who do you look to in Washington? Donald Trump. All the profit the market made, all the raises it made this year have been wiped out in the last two or three weeks. You know how the market is. It's up 800 points. It's down 500 points. It's up and down every day, but it's gone down like 25, 2,600 points already. It's uh, If it ever goes down below 2,000, that's about another 2,400 points, uh, you're into a recession. I predicted last year the United States would be in a recession by the end of this year or the beginning of next year. It's going to happen because the, the experts are now predicting a year later after I started, and I'm not an expert, that it's going to happen at the end of next year or the beginning of 2020. I see it coming soon because things are moving too fast too fast with all this crap and the market's just going down interest rates are going up uh everything bad's going to happen and all of a sudden all this money made for everybody the tax savings we're all going to get rich it will, only the rich got richer the poor didn't get anything the middle class didn't get anything bad things are going to happen to everyone mark my words and one more thing about donald trump yesterday in poland the world's biggest climate conference was held, called the Climate Change Conference. This was a group from all nations talking about we've got to go green, we've, you know, global warming. They're all, they all recognize the existence of global warming. They all want to get rid of global warming. The United States representative was Wells Griffith, who was Trump's advisor on everything involving energy, climate, environmental matters. He said the United States promotes fossil fuels. Fossil fuels, would you believe? He was the only one, and the whole crowd mockingly laughed at him when he said it. This is what Trump does. He's anti-everything, anti-everything. And I, I come to believe everything he's against has to be good. <laughs> well, I want to share something else with you here. See how much time I, I have left here. Uh, France is in a bad way. We know it. These yellow vest people, they got protesters. Uh, I don't know what the hell is going to happen there. You know, I watched somebody on television, one of those people wearing the yellow vest. He said, this is a people's insurrection. Next comes the revolution. And it could. They got This has been going on for four weeks now. Uh, France is not a bad place for a working person to live, though. I know people who have lived in France. I know people, who, someone who ran a major company in France. And it's hard to lose your job. They don't work 40 hours a week, a week, 40 hour weeks is less. They got great benefits. They retire early. They're like the Greeks a lot. The government takes care of the French people, but they're bitching and complaining, okay? 
And McCroom went on TV yesterday and offered to do some things that they say are inadequate. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but this is another example of unrest going on in the world. That all It's all adding up. And that's why there could be a recession. There could be wars. These are things that should concern you, concern you very seriously. I want to tell you about a woman's right to vote very quickly. Uh, do you know the first state or territory to grant women the right to vote? Wyoming. Wyoming did it on this day in 1869, okay? Many reasons why they gave women the right to vote. And it wasn't because they recognized or wanted to give women gender rights. The reason was sex. There were, in, 19, in 1869 in Wyoming, this is funny, there were 6,000 adult males, only 1,000 females. They hoped if they gave women the right to vote, women would come and settle, and these guys could get wives, get married, and have sex. Uh, that's the show for this week. I want to tell you something quickly. Buy my book on Irma, Irma and Me, Louis Patron, that I wrote about my personal experiences with Irma. It's interesting. It's exciting. Buy it to put as a stocking stuffer or a gift to some friend where you don't have to give a lot of money. costs $14.95 on Amazon.com. Com. It's exciting. It's interesting reading. Whoever you give it to will love the book. And that's what I suggest you do for Christmas. That's the show for this week. I thank you for joining me. I look forward to being with you again next week.